Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. All right, so I'm really excited to be here today and to be able to talk to you about um, some of the things that are on my heart, because what we're going to be talking about is something that's very, very personal to me. But before we get there, I want to talk about Facebook. Is that okay? I feel like we all need a lesson in Facebook before we move forward. You see, the truth is on Facebook, there's a lot of times things that you see that aren't really true. Have you ever seen something go up online that's not true on Facebook? I saw it just yesterday. I saw somebody that posted two different quotes, and I quickly did a Google search and found out that neither one of those quotes were true. And me, being the person that I am, I want to post on there and and start an argument and say, why did you do that? Google is your friend. But I didn't do that because I've made that mistake before too. I've accidentally seen something and I've posted it online and thought that it was fact only to later find out that it wasn't true. So here's what I want us to do today. I want us to have a quiz to determine how good you are at determining what's true and what's not. I want to show you some different things that have floated around on Facebook, and I want you to vote on whether or not you think they're true or not. Let's see this first one right here. I got a picture. It says this. This has been going around for a long time. Placing a raw cut onion in contact with your foot overnight purifies your blood, it removes toxins, and it heals your body. If you think that's true, go ahead and raise your hand. No shame. Just put your hand up. Nobody believes that or you are scared to death to participate. Okay, I'm not going to make you feel bad. Okay, I've seen this go around a thousand times, but it is actually false. That's not true. No truth whatsoever. I tried it twice. Didn't work. So we're going to move on. What about this next picture? It's a photograph that shows a man mowing his lawn during a tornado in Canada. You see, see this right here? Um, if, if the picture, if you were to zoom out just a little bit, man, it, it just shows that his wife has taken this picture of him that's so dedicated to his yard work. He just doesn't care what's going on around him. How many of you think this is true? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. A few of you say yes. A few of you are starting to participate. Coffee's kicking in. That is actually true right there. Um, if you research the picture, um, they tell you that the tornado is not quite as close as it appears in the picture, uh, but it's absolutely happening. And He is dedicated to his uh, yard service. Let's go to the next one. There's a recent study that shows there are harmful amounts of lead found in fidget spinners. Okay, fidget spinners, those things that everybody's flicking around and playing with, they're starting to die out now, which may be because, you know, people are dying off because they're using these things and it's very dangerous. How many of you think that's true? Harmful amounts of lead found in these fidget spinners. A lot of you, that's actually false. That's not true. Did not happen. But it's been floating around Facebook for a long time. Two more. Taco Bell, the fast food chain, has filed for bankruptcy and is closing all their stores by the end of the year 2018. How many of you think that's true? Okay, nobody. One of you. And she's like, what for? (laughs) She says, I don't like Taco Bell. Take it. That's fine. It's actually false. Taco Bell is here to stay, here to stay. And the last one, a customer closed out his million-dollar account after his bank refused to validate a 50-cent parking ticket. How many of you think that's true? A bunch of you. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Guy got so frustrated that he walked back in and said, I'm done. Close out my account, and I'm taking my business elsewhere. 
You see, the truth is we live in a culture that forces us to go through this process all the time. This process of determining what's true and what's not true. To determine whether or not we believe something or whether we don't believe something. This is something that's been ingrained in us ever since we were a child, though. It's not a new problem. See, when I was a kid, I can remember one of my friends telling me that their cousin was Chipper Jones. Man, that piqued my interest. I was excited. I wanted to know what it was like to have Thanksgiving dinner with Chipper Jones. But I wanted so bad to figure out whether or not they were telling me the truth. I had another time where my uncle was out playing sports with us, and and he told us that he had played professional hockey and basketball and baseball and football. And as a seven-year-old, I'm very interested, and I want to know whether or not he's telling the truth. And I had to wrestle with that even at a young age. Well, the fact that we're ingrained with this idea that we've got to work through these questions and determine whether or not something is fact or fiction is, is, is evidence that we shouldn't be surprised when it follows us into our spiritual lives as well. You see, in our spiritual lives, a lot of times we have questions. In our spiritual times, a lot of times we have doubts. In our spiritual lives, there's times where we, we have to wrestle through some things and to determine whether or not what we're hearing is true or whether or not it's false. Let me give you some examples. Sometimes we wrestle with whether or not God really hears us when we pray. I mean, we've all prayed for things and, and have not come true the way we wanted them to come true, so we wrestle with the idea of prayer. Sometimes we wrestle with whether or not the Bible is true. You know, there's some things in the Bible that are unbelievable some things in the Bible that are difficult to wrap our brain around, and we wrestle with whether or not the Bible is true and whether we can take it at its word. Sometimes we wrestle with questions like this. How can a good God allow so much pain and evil in this world? I've had that conversation with countless people. Sometimes we wrestle with this, whether or not a God who oversees the solar system could have any interest in our lives whatsoever. Some of you have felt that way before. Sometimes we wrestle with whether or not God could love or use somebody who's done some of the things that we've done. See, I know my heart. I know my sins. I know the things that I've chosen to do that go against God's plan for my life. How could he use me to accomplish anything significant? And finally, some of us wrestle with whether or not Jesus ever existed or if he ever actually rose from the grave. The list goes on and on and on. There's so many questions in our life. There's so many doubts to our faith that, that, that rise up at different times throughout our life. And I can't acknowledge and, and work through every single one of those doubts in one sermon, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can answer an even more important question. And that question is this. How are we supposed to respond to those seasons of doubt? What are we supposed to do when doubt and questions plague our heart and camp out in our minds? How are we supposed to overcome this, move beyond it, so that we can be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ? I think the answer to that is found in John chapter 20. Because in John chapter 20, we read about a man named Thomas. And Thomas was one of Jesus' disciples, which means he was one of only 12 men who said, I'm going to give up everything in my life so that I can be by Jesus' side. And throughout his time with Jesus, Thomas had an opportunity to see a lot of amazing things that Jesus did. You see, Thomas had an opportunity to be there when, when Jesus healed people who had been born, born blind. 
Thomas was able to be there when, when Jesus came into people's lives and allowed them to stand up and walk for the very first time. Thomas was able to be there when Jesus walked out on water. Thomas was able to be there when Jesus raised Lazarus up from the grave. For all the amazing things that we see Jesus do in the Bible, Thomas had a front row seat. He had an opportunity to see these things and experience these things in a way very few people ever will. Which is what makes this story so interesting. Because you see, after Jesus had been crucified, after he's been put into a tomb, even Thomas, who got to see all of that, began to struggle with doubt. He had questions He wasn't sure whether or not he believed. What makes this story even more special than that, though, is that if you fast forward to the end of Thomas' life, history tells us that Thomas ultimately gave his life for his faith. He ultimately decided to die for what he believed about Jesus Christ. You see, the fact that Thomas can go from this place of doubt and this place of struggle all the way to a place that he was willing to give his life for what he believed is encouraging for those of us who have doubts. Because it tells us that not only can God help us overcome this problem in our lives, but it also gives us a picture, a roadmap that we can follow to help us through this process. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to pick through this story just a little bit. And I want us to find a roadmap that we can go through so that we can overcome these times of doubt, these seasons of questioning that plague our faith. The story begins with Jesus, and Jesus appears to his disciples behind a locked door. I want you to realize how scary that must have been. All of the disciples are hiding behind a locked door because they're afraid of what's going to happen to them. And all of a sudden, Jesus just pops in the middle of the room. He appears to them. He says, don't be afraid. (laughs) Thanks for telling me. And he begins to have a conversation with his disciples. And he shows them his his scars, and they believe that he is who he says he is, and and they're overwhelmed as they understand Jesus' plan is unfolding right there before them. It was a great day. It was a great experience for everybody that was involved. The problem was Thomas didn't get to be involved. Let's pick up the story in John chapter 20, verse 24 and 25. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, Thomas wasn't there to experience what the other disciples had experienced. He missed out. I don't know where Thomas was at the time. Maybe he went out for ice cream. Maybe he took a walk to clear his head. Or maybe, just maybe, he believed that Christianity had died with Christ. And he had decided to move on with his life. I don't know what Thomas was doing, but I know exactly what he felt when he came back into that place. When he came back with his disciples and they told him about what they had experienced and and what they had seen in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, he was a man who was broken, surrounded by a bunch of other people that had it all together. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt like you're surrounded by people that are in a much better place than you because they're not struggling like you're struggling? Let me ask it in this way. Maybe you're a leader in some position in this church. Maybe you're volunteering in some different place, and and you've thought to yourself, you know what, I have these struggles 
I have these doubts. I have these questions. I need some help, but I can't go forward with these questions because I'm afraid all the people around me who have it all together are going to ask me to step down because of the struggles in my life. Or maybe you've felt a little bit differently, like your friends and your family. Maybe, maybe you think they won't understand what it is that you're going through. Maybe you think that they're going to judge you or look down on you because of the things that you're wrestling with. And so you say, you know what, I'm just going to go to church and I'm just going to put on a show. I'm going to raise my hands when everybody else does. I'm going to go through the motions because I don't want to let them know that I'm not in the same place that they are. Maybe you, maybe you enjoy the service when you come to church here and, and you come here because you get filled up and you get excited, but at the same time you say, you know what, I don't want to go any farther than that. I don't want to build a relationship with anybody in this place because if I do, they're going to see that I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out, and they do. Listen, I, I understand those feelings. I've felt some of those feelings before. Thomas has felt those feelings before. But Thomas doesn't shut down. He doesn't go into hiding. He doesn't just go through the motions. Instead, he makes a decision that's going to change the trajectory of his entire life. Instead of doing all those things, Thomas calls out his struggles. He names them so that he can begin the process of overcoming them. That's the first thing I want you to see from this story. When doubts attack... Call them out. I know there's some people in this church that play golf. Um, I pretend to play golf sometimes. Um, but even if you don't play golf, you can understand this illustration. There's a huge difference in golfing at the range and golfing on the golf course. Okay, The range is the place that you go and you just hit a bunch of balls and you just go have fun. And, and you kind of try and get a little bit better. A lot of times I leave the range and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I leave the range and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm a pretty good golfer. I'm able to make good contact. You know, I'm swinging the club right. I'm, I'm really improving as a golfer. But when I'm at the range, there's one thing that I'm not doing that I'm going to be doing when I get to the course. You know what that is? I'm not aiming at anything. I'm not really improving in my golf game until I learn to direct my energy towards a clearly defined target. Listen, here's what Satan oftentimes does. When we begin to have questions, when we begin to doubt things, when we begin to work through things in our faith, a lot of times Satan whispers in our ear and he multiplies this problem into something much bigger than it has to be. Instead of having one question or one doubt or one struggle, he whispers in our ear that this is something that's completely transforming our lives and turning it upside down. He begins to make us have feelings that are hopeless. He begins to make us feel like we're overwhelmed. Listen, you can combat that when you decide that you're going to overcome the doubts in your life by first identifying what they are so that you can figure out what you need so that you can overcome them. That's where this journey begins. It starts with saying, this is what my struggle is. This is what my problem is. This is what it's going to take to help me move on to the next place God has planned for me. Let's continue reading in the story in verse 26. It says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I love this. Jesus comes back again, and where is Thomas? 
Thomas is still hurting. He's still angry because he wasn't there to experience what the other disciples had experienced. He's still plagued with doubt. He's still wrestling with things, but he's right there with the other disciples. He didn't abandon them, and they didn't abandon him. In the midst of his struggle, listen, Thomas didn't run and hide. In the midst of his struggle, Thomas positioned himself where he was most likely to hear from God. That's the second thing I want you to hear today. When doubts attack, we ought to position ourselves to hear from God. In the book, Kill the Spider, Carlos Whitaker compares our struggles like, like doubts with, uh, with, uh, with spiders. And this is what he says. He says, if you've been trying for years to defeat your spider with tools that develop your own strength, you weren't built to be strong enough. You won't ever be strong enough. See, listen, your doubts are not going to go away because you wish they would. Your doubts are not going to go away because you develop yourself and become strong enough and smart enough to attack them on your own. Your doubts, once identified, can only be dealt with by the love of Jesus Christ. Do you know where that begins? It begins when we pray. Series slide that we're going to show right here. There we go. When we pray. That's what the series is all about. It begins when we pray. It begins when we go before Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to begin to hear from you and allow you to work in my life in a powerful, powerful way. Listen, communication is an important part of any relationship. You know this, right? Guys, you're not dating a girl unless you have her phone number and you do something with it, right? That's what prayer is like. Prayer is an opportunity for you to spend time with God, to communicate with him and to allow him to work in your life in a special way. It doesn't mean that you're ready to be 100% committed. It doesn't mean that you don't have any doubts. It doesn't mean that, that, that you've got it all together. Prayer means that you want to put yourself in a place where you can hear from God and let God work in your life in a powerful way. Listen, when we doubt things that have to do with our faith, they often take away our desire to pray. But listen, they actually increase our need to pray. They increase our need to put ourselves in the presence of God and allow him to pour into our lives and help us in a way that only God can. Let me tell you a few other ways that we can position ourselves to hear from God. One of them is that we can open our Bible. Not just on Sundays, but we can open our Bible and begin to read and let God speak to us through Scripture. Listen, I know the, the big problem with beginning a habit of reading your Bible is that you don't know where to start. It's an intimidating process to open that Bible and say, where do I begin? How do I start this process of, of hearing from God within this book? So we as a church try and make it as easy as possible for you. If you look in your program, you'll see that we have some daily devotions that you can do where you can read the Bible. You can pray through those things and you can allow God to speak to you through the things that we put in that program. If you move past that point, if you download the YouVersion Bible app, it has Bible reading plans. I use them all the time. It's an opportunity for you to say, tell me exactly what to read and allow God to speak to you through those things. But when we submit ourselves to reading our Bible, spending time in God's word daily, God will speak to us in a way um, that he won't otherwise. Next thing you can do is you can come to church. You guys remember what Mike said last week? He said a lot of times when he preaches, people will come up to him and say, hey, I loved what you said about this. And he says, I didn't know I said anything about that. Listen, God works in so many powerful ways like that. 
When we preach, I've had that happen in my own life. People have quoted me online and I've gone, I don't think that's what I said. That's better than what I said, so I'll take it. Because God's able to work through your experience in church. He's able to speak to you on a personal level. Talk to you about the specific things that you need to hear from God. But don't stop there. One of the other ways that you can position yourself to hear from God is to get involved in a life group. When you get involved in a life group, you surround yourself with people who can encourage you and help you in this journey. Listen, I know how scary it can be. When we say we want you to get involved in a life group, we want you to open up about the struggles that you have in your faith. A lot of you start to go, not me. I'm not opening up in front of a group of other people. Listen, it will only take about two weeks for you to realize everybody in that group is as jacked up as you are. They don't have it figured out. Let them be honest first. That's fine. But put yourself in a place where God can speak through people and directly into your life. When doubts enter into your heart, do you retreat away from God or do you lean in? Position yourself to hear from God. Seek his face and be ready to hear his voice. Let's keep going. We're going to dig into this story. We're going to find the last step in this process. In verse 27 through 29, it says, Then he said to Thomas, Jesus said this to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Listen, this is the experience Thomas wanted. This is the experience that Thomas needed a week ago. But guess what? It didn't happen a week ago. It happened this time. That's the third big takeaway from this story. When we're wrestling with doubts, when we're positioning ourselves to hear from God, we've got to trust God's timing. We've got to trust God's timing. Listen, you might be in a bad place today. You know, there might be doubts or questions that are like a pebble in the shoe of your relationship with God, or you might be in a place where there's a mountain that separates you from God. There might be questions that are so big that you don't think you're ever going to overcome them. Maybe you've been pouring out your heart to God on a regular basis for a whole week. Maybe you've been doing it for a whole year. Maybe you've been doing it for three years. Maybe you've been doing it for 10 years. Listen, we just sang in one of those songs, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Some of you identify with that because you've been praying through this problem for years and you thought God would show up in a personal way. Listen, can I tell you something personal from my life? When I was a teenager, I began to struggle with doubt. It was about a week after I made the decision to accept um, the call to ministry. And Satan showed up in my life and he began to work through people that I was surrounding myself with. And he caused me to question everything I had ever believed. And for a whole year of my life, I know that doesn't seem like that long to many of you that are adults now. It doesn't seem like that long to me now. But as a teenager, a year was an eternity. For a whole year, I questioned God and I cried out to God. And I said, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? But I'll tell you what. Since I went through that experience, I've been able to help other people with my story. Since I went through that experience, God has used that to increase my faith and allow me to do things I never would have been able to do otherwise. That experience led to something good. It led to something positive. God had a purpose and a plan for allowing me to struggle longer than I wanted to struggle. God took his time in responding to my request because he knew something I didn't know. And he had a plan that I didn't understand. 
Listen, in the book of Job, Job is crying out to God and he's become impatient with God. And he begins to test God and say, God, why are you allowing these things to happen to me? And in chapter 38, God responds to Job and he says this, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know who stretched out a measuring line across it. On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. God continues in this line of questioning for four long chapters. And what he's saying to Job is, Job, you don't get it. And you're not supposed to. I'm God. Let me be God. You be Job. Continue to work through these things. But trust that I have a plan and I have a purpose. In Romans chapter 8, verses 28, the Bible tells us, and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Listen, we don't always get to see what God's plan is until he's finished writing that chapter of our lives. If you're going through doubts, you're going through struggles, and you're questioning aspects of your faith, listen, you've got to engage in this process. And you've got to trust that God's going to show up at just the right Let me close out with this. This is my sermon in a sentence, if you will. But it's two sentences, so I'm still learning. This is what it says. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It is a willingness to push through your doubts until God gives you what you need to overcome them. Some doubts are going to come. You can't control that. But what you can control is how you respond in those seasons of doubt. Can I tell you what excites me? Thomas became so excited about Jesus after he had this experience with Jesus that he went on to give his life for Jesus. He went on to change the world. It excites me to think what God could do with a thousand people at Northridge Christian Church that have that kind of faith, that have an experience like Thomas had that leads us to say, I'm 100% on board for whatever you have for me, Lord. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do so that you can move in and through my life. But you got to understand that kind of experience didn't start on a mountaintop. That kind of experience started with a period of doubt. If you're doubting God right now, this is not the end of your story. God's going to show up and he's going to work. and He's going to write a whole new chapter that is absolutely worth waiting for. If you're struggling right now, I want you to engage in this process. Identify your struggle. Position yourself to hear from God. Trust his timing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we know that seasons of doubt and questioning are going to come. God, some of us just have personalities that work that way. But God, I'm grateful that that doesn't have to be the end of the story. God, that's just the beginning of all the great things you want to do in and through us. Lord, if there's anybody here today that's struggling with God, just questioning things that they, that's on their mind, things that are on their heart, God, if, if there's anything that they're wrestling through right now, God, I pray that they leave with a passion to surrender that to you, to spend some time allowing you to work in their lives and so that they can overcome those challenges. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that's 
that's got a boulder standing between you and them, God, something that's preventing them from even making a decision to trust and follow you. God, I pray that you begin the process of moving that today. pray that in Jesus' name, amen. For the next few minutes, we're gonna sing one more song. Here's what I want. If you're struggling in some way, if you've got questions that maybe you haven't opened up and talked about, I want you to know we're gonna have some people up here at the front. They wanna spend a little bit of time with you. They're not going to ask for a whole lot of details. They're not going to get your social security number so we can label you in a system. We're okay with you doubting because that means God's working in your life. We just want to pray with you and we want to encourage you. There's going to be people standing up here that could do that. We've also got the walls opened up on both sides. These are prayer walls. These are places where people have written prayer requests to God. If you're struggling in some way, go over to the walls. We've got markers. and Write that down to God. Give it to him. Identify it so that you can begin the process of healing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at